0: Welcome to the People Innovation Podcast with Dr. Brian Hampton, the podcast designed to help professionals future-proof their workplace for tomorrow. Innovation is not about products and services. It's really about how people work together and identify problems that matter. This is the perfect platform to get the practical ideas and tools you need to create opportunity. Here's your host, Dr. Brian Hampton.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the second episode of the People Innovation Podcast. This week's episode is all about the veteran transition process. During today's conversation, you'll hear tangible advice for both service members and organizations who are looking to hire veterans. We chose to discuss these two areas specifically because the transition process and meaningful employment provides economic competitiveness for those who serve our country. So here's the current situation. Due to the drawdown in Afghanistan and the federal budget, the U.S. is seeing a large number of transitioning service members. Over the next three to five years, we expect 1.5 million service members to transition from the military. 1.5 million. And this number represents a 30% increase from what we typically saw from previous years. With the economy and nature of work changing so rapidly, veterans will need to think more broadly about their transition process. To get a better understanding of the veteran transition process, we connected with Jordan Murphy, a 20-year Army veteran who recently experienced transition out of the military. Thanks, friend. Thanks for having me
2: on the podcast. Again, my name is Jordan Murphy. I retired from the active duty Army. After about 20 years of active service, I worked in HR in several different areas of HR, recruiting HR generalists, and then culminating as an HR director, where I served the last
3: nine years of my military career as an HR director. Awesome. Awesome. So, so sitting in that role, you got the opportunity to kind of manage the careers of, of other soldiers and at the same time observe their experiences as they transitioned into the civilian world. So, what were some of those experiences?
2: So, a lot of what I did in my role is I would work with our senior-level soldiers, senior-level level employees, and I would do a lot of executive coaching with them, guiding them on the right path, and as well with our transitioning soldiers, doing a lot of the outplacement preparation, some of the outplacement counseling services with them, just ensuring that they have a career plan in mind, and I also coach. We had. We call them retention specialists. So I'd coach and train our retention specialists so as they were also counseling some of our transitioning soldiers that we had a, a one voice policy that we were communicating the same information.
3: What was the trigger for you to transition out of the military into the civilian world? Was it, you know, was it a medical situation? Was it just retirement? What was the trigger for you to, to make this transition? The,
2: the trigger for me, Brian, is I, I knew... I'd, I'd planned my career out, my education, my certification, and I knew that when I achieved 20 years of active federal service with the military that I was going to retire right at that point and then transition into a civilian
3: role. You know, I've been in those shoes as well, but as you, as you approach this transition, what was your main concern?
2: The main concern I had, and I can probably speak for some other veterans, is just the Lack of full communication, the the two-way communication and understanding of how much similarity there is between what a lot of people in the military do and a lot of what people in the private sector do when it's a transferable skill set, say communications, electronics, cybersecurity, human resources, or anything in the medical field. there's probably about a ninety percent commonality between the two, and the the biggest challenge. I had was communicating to people I was interviewing with, just how
3: great a degree of commonality there was. I agree. I agree. I had some similar experiences because, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about solving problems, right? And and so, no matter what your MOS is or was, you have to articulate yourself in a way that allows the employer to understand that hey, you can solve you can solve some of their problems. There are some skills that are transferable. Absolutely. Was there a challenging time or uh, or, or a factor involved that caused you to to kind of rethink your your plan and your approach?
2: I would say there was. There was a lot as I was going through, I, I had interviewed with several organizations, and the, there was a recurring theme of what the military does and how members of the military execute actions, especially now, I'll speak for human resources. Because that, that was the job field I was in. I have I have a master's degree in human resources. I also have the senior professional human resources certification, which is the platinum standard for HR in the private sector. And I took those steps to be competitive, but there was still this common theme of, well, you won't know because you've never been outside of the military doing HR. And it was a recurring theme that, you know, how will you be able to interact with women? coming out of the military. How will you be able to interact with people where you don't yell at them? And I think this is a a perpetuated issue that you see in movies and any kind of television or media yeah. about the military. The biggest difference I would say between what most of the people in the private sector do and what most of the people in the military do is people in the military don't have to worry about what they're wearing tomorrow. They know.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in, in preparing for your transition, what resources, I mean, if if you think about the Department of Defense and, and the VA, there's a plethora of government agencies out there to help. What were some key resources that you were able to leverage during your transition?
2: I'll go through it. So, three main things were networking, finding mentors, and using the Department of Defense Transition Assistance Program which is an outplacement service. It's probably the largest outplacement service in, in, in the United States because every separating member of the military, uh, whether it be Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or Coast Guard, must go through this Department of Defense Transition Assistance Program, which is a, a week-long course that they teach some basic interview skills, basic resume writing skills. So they, they kind of gloss over it and give you a lot of resources, and they put the onus on the service member to learn more about how to do these things more effectively and then second was networking and that's I'll kind of touch on how how you and I met is through LinkedIn yeah. I, yeah. I just kind of searched for people who had a department of defense background who worked in human resources and I I found you and was like wow this guy's a doctor PhD Brian Hampton let me uh let me connect with this mm-hmm. guy on LinkedIn send him a message and And you and I had a call a little over a year ago where you really helped me out in focusing where I should be looking and the types of roles I should be looking at. And it was that networking piece. And it's an informational interview, is exactly what it was. You gave me probably an hour and a half of your time and discussed with me some of the approaches I could take. And then also mentors. The biggest thing I found was finding mentors who had never been. In the military who were in my career field, I found some very senior-level private sector HR people from fortune 50 companies.
3: So, Jordan, that's, that's fantastic. I, that I, would, I would definitely recommend any transitioning service member to, to definitely find mentors outside of the military. But tell us, how did you go about doing that?
2: It was uh, – so I – I like to communicate frequently and uh, kind of the same way, uh, again, that that we met is I just started seeking people through LinkedIn where I can find a global network and reaching for the stars. Honestly, I'd find people that were a chief human resource officer at a Fortune 100 company and send a connection request and say, I need a mentor. And if they responded... It was great, and I set up a time and, and one of these individuals, he and I established a, a very deep relationship.
3: You know my experience occurred slightly differently, but the overall theme was the same networking is is super key. you know for me, joining a number of professional associations really helped me understand what it would take to transition into the civilian world and then you know just through those professional associations, I found a number of mentors. What do you think are you know, some of the challenges that active duty service members face when it comes to networking, knowing that this skill is so critical to, to the success. Environment. Their,
2: their physical location is sometimes a hindrance. And it's imperative that people who are transitioning, whether they're retiring or getting out after 4, 8, 12, 16 years of military service, to start right away and I did, did, it's a big theme going around now is prepare to leave the military as soon as you enter because you never know what may happen you you might be 15 years into a career and think there's 5 years left and all of a sudden your health goes bad and you are separated and now you have nothing to to go on because you haven't been doing that networking so now there's a On LinkedIn, there's a Veterans Mentor Network that I I like to plug a lot because it's great for anyone to get in there and ask questions. And the moderator provokes a lot of thought from the people who are asking questions. And going back to the physical environment, some military bases are desolate, remote from different populations. So it's difficult to network locally, Brian. For example, mm-hmm. you and I are both currently, well, I guess not both currently, but you know, we both reside in the Chicagoland area now. And yep. it's a little bit easier to physically network when you have a population of five million people within an hour's drive. Whereas yeah. some veterans or transitioning service members rather may have a thousand people within an hour's drive. So it's it's finding where you can network and how you can network and doing informational interviews, phone calls, email exchanges with people who, in, and, and like you said, no military mm-hmm. service at all. Talk to people who yeah. have, you know, as, as you know, we frequently say in the military, people who have been there and done that and made the transition yep. and people who have no clue because that allows some two-way learning to go on. People who have, no military affiliation whatsoever and have misconceptions when, when you have those types of mentors or people in your network, you can learn from them about what they do. And you can also help them overcome some biases or misconceptions they have about how your particular job skill in the military directly translates to what you're looking to do outside of the military.
3: Yep. Yep. No, I totally agree. You know, there's uh a, there's another factor that I, I don't think that this factor is discussed enough, you know, in the media. And it, it's really around, you know, culture and those of us who serve in the military, especially active duty, you, you self-identify as a service member, right, as a soldier or a Marine. And, you know, that self-identification, you know, as a, as a service member sometimes hinders our ability to brand ourselves differently out of the military and it kind of hinders that transition into civilian world did you suffer with that and and, and there's nothing wrong with you know self-identifying as a a military member but but at the same time especially for transition purposes you have to be open to to branding yourself differently how did you how did you conquer that factor
2: but i always joke with people that i am the least army person you'll ever meet in that you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have tattoos, I never drink coffee, I never smoke cigarettes. You know, the stuff that the media shows people in the military doing, so and I was also fortunate where I was stationed and where I resided was not in a military community. So, for myself, I didn't have any identity struggles as far as you know, self identifying and you know, my my persona being all around being in the military for me i I told people i'm a human resources professional who works for the army that is how i branded myself i'm a human resources professional my employer is Mm -hmm. the army Mm -hmm. but it's very much to the point a lot of members of the active duty military have that identification and I, I coach and mentor a lot of people, and one of the questions I ask is, how do you, how do you identify yourself? Do you identify yourself by your accomplishments or by your employer? Are you a, a Marine mm-hmm. who fixes helicopters, or are you a helicopter repairman for the United States Marine Corps? And you transfer skill and go work for uh, you know, Bell Helicopters or Sikorsky, and it's helping, yeah. especially once you're about that year out, Mark, is to kind of do that mindset shift where you're still, you're still in the military, but you yep. need to start transitioning your way of thinking
3: so that you yeah, don't have these identity shift. issues. So, no, I totally agree with you. And I, and I think that that paradigm shift that's needed is, is not voiced enough in the TAP program, in the, in the Transition Assistance Program and, and other resources. I don't think we talk about that enough. So, Jordan, for the, for the veteran who's transitioning in the next three, six, 12 months, you know, what, what are the top one or two nuggets of advice that you, would, that you would provide them? Top one or two.
2: Get mentors and networks. So I'm going to combine that one. <laughs> find mentors.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, like, like we said, find mentors both with military affiliation who have made a successful transition and people with absolutely no military background whatsoever. So, there can be that synchronous learning between the two of you. Network either through LinkedIn or other social media, if you will, and if you have the opportunity, network locally with people different than your employer. Don't just network with people in your branch of service or other military members who are of the same mindset because you're not going to expand out. I'll tell them. Find a job announcement or a job, a job posting somewhere. It's like, I really yeah. want to do this job. Okay. Then take that job description and look at the requirements and look at the, the must-haves, the, light, you know, the nice-to-haves, and the required experience and go line by line and give an example that directly relates, closely relates, or how you can relate what you accomplished
3: to what they're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? Even if you still have time, right? Let's say you're transitioning in the next two or three years. You can do that research right now. There's a technique called job crafting, right? So if you identify yeah. those experiences that you need for this ideal role, how can you craft your current role and start fitting in some of those experiences so that you're ready in the next eighteen months, twenty-four months, right? So so Jordan, thank you for all the advice that, that you provide during this time. You mentioned that you're an independent consultant and you're helping military veterans with coaching and resumes. You know, how can our listeners get in contact with you? The best way for them to get in contact with me is through LinkedIn.
2: LinkedIn LinkedIn.com forward slash in forward slash Jordan Murphy,
1: S-P-H-R. So we just covered a perspective on the transition process. Now, let's discuss what organizations can do to prepare for the overwhelming number of service members that will transition over the next three to five years. For expertise in this area, we connected with Rhonda Powell. Rhonda is a congressional legislative liaison for the United States Army, and on the civilian side, she's the director of national security for the American Legion headquarters in Washington, D.C.
3: What are some resources? For organizations who want to improve, you know, their veteran hiring practices.
4: Well, hello, Brian, and definitely thank you for having me. I'm excited about being a part of this podcast, and I'm tremendously excited about being a veteran for such a time as this, and a woman veteran at that. So, I would definitely like to speak to organizations to say that as the National Security Director of the American Legion, which is the largest veteran service organization in the nation, that is a good location for any any of corporate America or industrial America to contact. And the reason why I say that is, for example, the American Legion is partnered with the United States Chamber of Commerce. American Legion hosts, along with the Chamber, 50 job fairs a year all over the United States. So, As a result of those 50 job fairs a year, veterans have an opportunity on multiple occasions to come out and meet specifically with hiring organizations. And we get to interact as a veteran service organization on an ongoing basis and create networking and partnerships so that when they're looking for a need to fill, for example, Comcast, Comcast will call the American Legion and let us know that they are hiring in the next five years, 30,000 veterans. And so we will with oh, wow. the veterans, Comcast, and introduce them to a whole new world and some, most times to an occupation that they can transition their military skills right into.
3: What's the one thing that you would recommend to organizations that are looking to hire you know, military service members? And we just kind of went through the numbers. Right. You have one point five million veterans that are you know, projected to transition over the next three to five years. And I believe you just called yeah. out 80,000 veterans a month are transitioning. You know, that's that's a lot. And for organizations yeah. who are very interested in hiring veterans, you know, what what's the one piece of advice that you would recommend to them?
4: The one piece of advice that I would recommend to organizations is don't be afraid to contact the transition center itself because that's who have the direct contact with the veteran. Right now, the Department of Labor is the executive agent for the transition centers. So the Department of Labor has taken on a personal interest in ensuring that veterans get hired. So what better place than an organization to reach out to than the physical transition center itself which is, for veterans, it's mandated that veterans actually go through the transition process.
0: That's by law now. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. People Innovation Season episodes are provided weekly to help you future-proof your workplace for tomorrow. Make sure you stop by our website, www.changenerd.com, and check out our consulting and training offerings surrounding change management, strategic workforce planning, and business culture. For feedback, questions, or show ideas, email us at podcast at changenerd.com.